1: A warm and friendly low, Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for Toasting to guys, Students with myself, Greg Epstein. And we've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Evan Miyakawa, he does a great job as a college basketball analytics guru, statistician over there at his own website, evamia.com. Going to be joining me in the second segment. He did a lot of great work this college basketball season with Kill Shots data. You may recall a few seasons ago, he was tracking teams that were going through pauses with COVID-19. Now he does a great job of being able to take a look at transfers. And he winds up ranking them as to how much of an impact he thinks that they're going to make on their respective programs. And I think that this is going to be a terrific chat because one thing that I know I always wind up diving into, and I know that many other people do as well, is how big of an impact is a transfer going to make? and the tendencies that we do wind up seeing from guys that wind up going from the mid-major level up to the power of six, guys that wind up staying at the power of six, guys that are very highly touted and they wind up going down a level list goes on and on. So we're going to talk to Evan about how he winds coming up with these sorts of things. Who are some of the guys that are towards the top of the list? And who are some of the teams that have been able to do a good job thus far in the transfer portal? And on top of that, we you may recall on the podcast yesterday, I was cu- talking with Cooper Watson of Bussing Brackets about how this year it feels like it, there's a little bit more of a shortage of firepower with regards to the transfer portal. We're going to talk to him as well about that and how this crop of transfers ranks in comparison to last year's as well, so got a nice wide-ranging chat there in the final segment. We saw a lot of movement with the transfer portal. It's going to be north of 30 minutes long as to news and notes of college basketball from Monday. We wound up seeing a pair of coaching hires. We wound up seeing a bunch of guys enter into the NBA draft. A lot of guys now starting to make up their mind with regards to transfer portal. We're still getting a couple newer names in there as well as if you take a look at verbalcommits.com Right now, with regards to the 2022 transfer portal, We've right now got in there north of 1,250 names. So certainly it is still a rambunctious time in college basketball. But more of these guys, they have settled in on where they are going to be going to school at. So going to be diving into that. And as per usual on this podcast, it is always dedicated to just trying to give you guys as much useful information as possible. We've got a lot of time to be able to answer questions. And if there is anything that is on your mind that you want to address on this podcast, if you've got a question, comment, it. Idea. What I have you, for this show, you're able to fire in your questions one of two ways. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters M Maybe does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. And the other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, hearable fire or whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we've got a great chat with Evan Miyakawa coming up on the other side right here on Coast Soups Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Eames Pearson, now part of the VC family podcast. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for Ghost to Ghost Hoops with myself, Drake Spears. And now a part of the Decent Family podcast. And it is great to be joined by our guests. As this man does a great job of being able to track college basketball analytics over there at his website, evanmia.com. He is a man that has a PhD in statistics, so that is very impressive right there. You've seen his work featured on places like ESPN cbs sports and you may recall he was doing a great job with his kill shot statistics as well taking a look at that throughout the season that's teams that they wanted going on 10 to 0 runs or more so evan did a great job of being able to track that all throughout the season now he's doing a great job of being able to track everything that we're getting in the offseason and to be able to follow evan on twitter that is at evan mia last name is spelled m-i-y-a and evan Great to have you aboard. Thank you.
3: I'm glad to be on, Greg. The season just ended, but it feels like we're fortunate to have an exciting period right after with all of this transfer portal madness
1: that's going on. So there's never a day off. No, sir, not at all. I did think that it's gonna be terrific to be able to take a look at what we're gonna be able to get out of these transfers. And I know you posted this up a few weeks ago. Some of the guys that you really think are gonna be able to make an impact with regards to guys that want to better in the transfer portal. Guys like Shock Shock Surprise Surprise, Jalen Llewellyn, and Fadas Amick. List goes on and on of guys that you think are going to be able to make the biggest impact. How do you wind up coming up with these rankings? Because I do think that it is so interesting trying to compare the impact that a guy coming from, say, a Power 5 program that didn't necessarily see a lot of playing time will have rather than say a guy that winds coming up from a major conference was like an all-conference performer out there in like the big south because I think that that's always the biggest unknown when it comes to the transfer portal.
3: Yeah so the way I go about this is I have updated live transfer portal rankings at my website evanmia.com updates multiple times a day based on players who are entering the portal or making commitments And ultimately, what I'm doing is I'm trying to project the impact that any player is going to have, kind of regardless of the level of conference that they played in before and where they might be going in the future, it kind of equalizes across strength of opponent. And you're trying to project which players are going to have the best impact potentially for a future team based on those who are in the portal. So when the first iteration of this came out, uh, I have a five star system kind of similar to what you'll see with high school recruits, where you have five stars, four stars, three stars, stars. The five stars being the most rare. Last year there were about 45 stars in my transfer portal rankings by the end of it. Right now I have 26 of them so far. When the first iteration came out a couple of weeks ago, there were only four of them. So there's obviously been a lot of great entrants to that pool recently. So some of the guys that you noted, like Jalen Lewin from Princeton, Fardaz Emak from Utah Valley, both highly coveted. Uh, but those are, you know, some of the lower names in that five star pool there. Now, you know, when you compare to some of the more recent entrants in the portal. So it's really exciting. I think there's a lot of factors that I take into account when trying to project impact for the upcoming season. So some of that has to do with how they performed in the most recent season based on Bayesian performance rating, which is my metric that tracks player impact on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. But it also looks at stuff like previous seasons as well. Plus, it really heavily weights high school recruiting ranking, especially if they're younger. So if they're coming off their freshman or sophomore season, that really carries a lot of weight. So kind of putting all of those ingredients into a bag and then trying to spit out each player's most likely contribution or impact to their their next team, kind of future, irrespective of what future team they end up with. You'll see a lot of guys who are from power conferences near the top of that list, but you'll also see plenty of guys who are from more mid-majors who are really outstanding for their previous teams, or maybe were a high recruit playing for a lower-ranked school. So there's a good mix of names in there and, and just a lot really to dig in. I know a lot of fans are using it. A lot of coaches have been reaching out to me, trying to optimize who they're going for in the portal based on my rankings. So a lot of exciting stuff
1: going on there. It certainly is, as we do have Evan Miyakawa joining me on the podcast. And I know that you've got your preliminary rankings before a guy winds up coming to a school. Do you wind up making an adjustment based on where a guy winds up going? Because if you wind up having like an offensive force he decides to go to say, Virginia, I've got to feel like his impact is going to be a little bit different than if he was going to say the Citadel because you've got two completely different styles, you've got two completely different levels of competition as well. I think that that's intriguing to dive into as well. Yeah, that's
3: a great point. That's not something that I actually adjust based on the style of play that a a transfer is going to have at his new team. For example, that's certainly something you should take into account, no doubt. I think the overall level of the player can be expected to stay the same, but say a guy who's balanced in offense and defense is going to a more defensive focused school like Virginia, for example, you could probably expect his defensive impact to be a little bit better than his offensive impact, just based on how much they focus on that. But it really is trying to find and project a player's impact both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, kind of irrespective of what system that they're going to be in and what system they played in the past. Again, obviously, coaching plays a huge part of that. So, you, you know, you're never bound to get those completely right with those projections. But in general, I think the overall value of the player should stay about the same irrespective of what level of team they're going to and what style of offense or defense they run.
1: I think that that's really interesting to take a look at. And what else I think is fascinating as well is some of these teams that they have been hitting the portal very hard because, like, LSU lost every single player on scholarship that they wound up having last season. So, no question, they're needing to hit the portal quite a bit. We know that Arkansas, they already picked up the Mitchell brothers. You figured that they would be very active. We wound up seeing a couple guys wind up going out there to The SEC, Wyoming has done a good job of being able to hit the portal here in the offseason, and according to your rankings, who are a few schools that have been able to do a good job of be able to spot some of this talent early? Obviously, so I have a lot of names in there, but we did wind up seeing a couple bigger names wind up coming off the board this weekend.
3: Yeah. So on my website, not only can you look at the top transfer portal players, both who are available and who've committed, but you can also, also look at the transfer class rankings. It's a little formula that I came up with that ultimately ranks each team's incoming transfer class, just like you would see for a high school class, for example, but then also rates their overall transfer activity, so taking into account both incoming and outgoing transfers. So when you right now just look at the top incoming transfer classes, again, it's pretty early in the portal. Most of these players haven't committed yet, but Arkansas by far has the number one class. Uh, They got one five-star transfer in. They have two four-stars and another three-star, so that's really great. West Virginia actually took a big leap on Monday because they got Joe Toussaint from Iowa, And I think he's underrated as a player. I think he had a big impact for Iowa last year. He ranks as a five-star transfer, according to my rankings, and 13th overall. So picking up him to go along with Eric Stevenson from South Carolina, West Virginia now has the number two incoming transfer class. LSU is up there as well, I think just because of the players that Mac McManaman's brought from uh, Murray State. But then Bryant right now has the fourth best class, which is really great for them. They've done some good work in the portal and are certainly kind of punching above their weight right now when it comes to getting uh, big names in the portal.
1: Yeah, it's been really interesting to take a look at the SEC and how they've been attacking the portal because we've had coaches like NATO, it's Eric Musselman do a terrific job there. But you also have so many new coaches as well as we do have Evan Miyakawa joining me on the podcast. So does a great job just taking a look at basketball analytics in general and When it comes to the SEC, I do think that it is really intriguing that we've got six new head coaches that are going to be in the conference. I'm sure you noticed this with regards to some of your metrics, the fact that the SEC last year had a pretty distinct style. A lot of these teams, they were quite a bit more up-tempo, teams that... They didn't necessarily shoot the three of the world's greatest, but they were looking to play fast, but very defense-oriented. With 6-2 coaches coming into the SEC, what do you expect from this conference with regards to just the style of play in general and what you're going to be seeing with regards to some of the pace of play, some of the way that these teams are made up, because I think that this is going to be one of the most interesting conferences to look at from last season to this season.
3: Yeah, I think when you look at some of the most innovative coaches in the game, the SEC now has got to be up at the top of that list in terms of having really good, young, right coaching talent, especially when you look at the additions of Todd Golden at Florida, Matt McManaman coming over from Murray State to LSU. I think those two, and then when you look at you know heavyweights like the mus at arkansas you know what you have going on alabama there's just a lot to be really excited about i think florida is a really interesting one i'm really excited to see what todd golden does there especially with how analytically minded he is he's already done some great work in the transfer portal picking up will richard from belmont who i have as a five-star transfer and that's the best pickup of any transfer in the sec right now at least according to my portal rankings as of monday the 11th so that's really exciting for him and i'm really excited to see what he does there And then of course, Arkansas, I mean, you can't not talk about them with a lot of excitement for next year. I think everyone was really impressed with two straight elite eights already from Eric Musselman and that squad. But then they add three McDonald's All-Americans and already have the number one transfer class in the country. I mean, it's stacked what they have going on there. I think if things stayed the same right now, they would certainly be on a lot of people's uh, number one preseason ranked team for the upcoming season. So I'm really excited
1: to see what happens with them next season. I'm right there with you. You mentioned Todd Golden, just the way that he's been able to utilize analytics. Now, sometimes it has backfired a little bit with regards to San Francisco, but I think that he's going to be able to do some great things over there at Florida. He winds up picking up Will Richards, a transfer from Belmont a few days ago. So I'm very intrigued to see what we wind up having going on there as we do have Evan Mia joining me on the podcast and Evan just with regards to, teams that you feel like maybe have upgraded the most this offseason with regards to some of their coaching moves. We wind up just talking about the SEC in general. Is there maybe another team or two that you really like the move that they want to making at head coach? Because I do think that it's going to be fascinating to take a look at some of these different styles of play. Like I do think, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we're going to be seeing the SEC look just a little bit different this upcoming season. But is there another team or two that you're fairly bullish on what they've been able to do this offseason?
3: Yeah, I certainly am intrigued by what Seton Hall has bringing in Shaheen Holloway. Obviously, you know, he's replacing a good coach there. But just with how distinctive uh, his coaching style was in the tournament for a St. Peter's team that didn't have a lot of talent, when you now translate that to having a team with much more talent and a much wider recruiting base, I'm really excited to see what happens with Seton Hall. Another team in the Big East, which is also my personal favorite team, the Butler Bulldogs, there's a lot of controversy with the way that they let Laval Jordan go right after his buyout dropped. But then two days later, getting Thad Mata back, I think is a really, really big move for them and certainly put a race. A lot of those players leaving the program potentially based on what we were seeing from from early in the early days after Laval Jordan got fired. Thad Mata, I think he's going to bring a coaching acumen and bring experience to this Butler team. Certainly in the recruiting world, he's going to bring a lot more to the table for recruits. And I think he's committed to kind of making the pieces that are there and the pieces he brings in work and have a flexible style and not being too ingrained in one thing. So I'm really excited to see, you know, for selfish reasons, what Butler's going to do. But that also really just elevates the level of coaching in the Big So I'm excited to see how that turns out.
1: I am very excited as well. And, Evan. I know that I was talking about this with one of our good friends, Cooper Watson of Busting Brackets yesterday as well. And I want to get your take on it since you do a great job being able to take a look at these transfer rankings. And something that Cooper brought up and the more I think about it, the more I think that he is onto something is that he felt like there were a couple fewer big names that are currently in the transfer portal. I know that you've got a couple guys that are highly ranked. We were talking about Fada Zamek, Jalen Llewellyn, guys like that. Obviously, Kenny Lofton entering in from Louisiana Tech a couple days ago. That's a big name as well. But just with regards to your rankings from last year to this year, have you noticed that there's been a little bit of a fall off in terms of just some of the more highly touted guys that are in the transfer portal? Or is this actually relatively status quo from last year? This is definitely a downturn in terms of elite prospects in the
3: portal compared to last year. And the way that we can measure this is last year there ended up being over 40. I think it was around 45 five-star transfer portal prospects who ended up transferring to different schools. And we could have more names enter, but at this point, we're probably getting close to that final number. And right now we have only 26 five-star transfer targets in the portal right now at my website compared to last year. So yeah, it's a lot more slim pickings, especially at the top. Now, granted, there are still plenty of transfers overall right now. It's getting close to last year's numbers. I don't think it's going to hit the same in terms of total number of transfers who are interested in going to another school. But certainly in terms of that top tier talent, it is definitely a downturn from last year. And there's already one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, as I'm counting right now, seven of these five stars are already off the board. So there's only 19 left available. That's just not quite as much to work with for coaches who are trying to really revamp their their roster, especially at the very top end, trying to compete for a tournament title and possibly more. So, you know, a lot of work to still to do and maybe not as many options as last year.
1: Yep. And no question. We should probably see a few more when it comes to NBA draft decisions, We've been seeing it much more the last few years, guys. They wind up entering into the draft. They wind up not hearing what they like when they wind up testing in the waters. They pull their name out, and then they wind up going into the transfer portal. But certainly something to watch for. And Evan, I know you're doing a great job of being able to take a look at this. You did a great job with your kill shot data during the 2021-22 season as well. When COVID was at its peak, you did a great job of being able to take a look at that as well. So, It feels like every single year you do a great job of just taking a look at a new avenue, a new metric when it comes to college basketball. So love the good people at home. Know how they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you've got going on this college basketball season.
3: Yeah, so as so we said, my website is evanmia.com. And I would really encourage people who are diving into that portal life to go check out my transfer portal rankings. It's not just rankings. You can actually search by a lot of different things. So you can look at, you know, by conference, by team. You can look at the class of a player, what position, what offensive role. You can even filter by stuff like high school recruiting ranking, which is really useful. So if you are a fan of a team who's looking for targets in the portal, or you're trying to figure out how to get an edge on, you know, you know, projections for next year, these transfer portal rankings are really helpful for that. So I'd encourage a lot of people to check that out. You can find me on Twitter as well. Uh, same username, Evan Mia. Yeah, that's where you can find my stuff.
1: Evan does absolutely terrific work taking a look at the game of college basketball. Does so from more of an analytics lens, but brings something new to the table every single year and in the offseason. Does a great job of being able to project forward as well. He is very much appreciated on this podcast. So big thanks, to Evan, for joining me right here on Coast to Coast Soup Style, part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast that give you a little bit of a roundup as to all the news and notes we saw in college basketball on Monday. And we're back here in lovey Las Vegas for Ghosty Ghost Hoops with myself Greg Hoops Hughes so and now part of the V S and Family Podcast. Great to get having Miyakawa on. He does absolutely amazing work. At his website, evamia.com, one of the best at being able to take a look at college basketball analytics. He does a great job just year in and year out, innovating, taking a look at new ways to be able to explore college basketball. So, great to get him aboard today. A big thanks to him. Now it is that time of the podcast that we take a look at everything that we wound up getting in terms of the news and notes of college basketball over the last 24 hours. And we have seen a lot of news with regards to the transfer portal, and we've seen a lot of draft declarations first. Let's first go to the portal as... Wound up seeing Samir Stewart of Manhattan decide that he is going to be transferring elsewhere. Last year, wound up being able to give the team eight points per contest and really has been sort of stagnant with regards to his production. He played four years at Manhattan, anywhere between 6.6 and 8.6 points per contest in all three years. Wound up shooting 39.5% from three this year. Only wound up playing 16 games. Certainly was rock solid, but now is in the transfer portal. Got to think that there's a little bit of a market of teams that are going to be looking at him. You had Wes Slyshirt, who decided that he wanted to go to Point Loma Nazarene, and he actually wound up seeing a couple starts for Dartmouth this last season with Point Loma. Well, they're a 91 school, so this makes it very easy on your handicap. All you need to know is that Mr. Slyshirt was at the D1 level. He's now at the 91 level, so we're able to cross him off your list of players to evaluate, and you're done, but... Not necessarily a guy of impact, only wound up averaging two points per contest, despite the fact that he wound up getting nine stars. Played like 13 minutes per game, nothing more than a defensive stopper. That should not hurt Dartmouth too much. DQ Nicholas, he was able to average eight points, three and a half boards per game at Southeast Missouri State this last year. He's now heading to Gardner-Webb, a Gardner-Webb school that really is based on a lot of defense. He did wind up playing 42% from three. And do one note, Southeast Missouri State did not play a lot of defense this last season, but... You'll recall that Nicholas wound up during the 2020-21 season committing right around three and a half turnovers per contest, was able to cut that down significantly, had the ball out of his hands quite a bit more, but is a guy that you got to figure is going to be able to be a solid fit at Carter Webb. Question is, how is this defense going to look? Colton Sandich, he was playing at Western Illinois this last season, averaged 13.5 points, four boards, two and a half assists from three-point range, reined it in, shooting 35% from three-point range. He's now heading to Illinois State. New regime change over there at Illinois State after Dan Muller just could not wind up getting it done, but... He wound up averaging 1.3 sales per contest. Now, Western Illinois, one of the worst schools with regards to defense this last season. But I think that he's going to be able to come into an Illinois State team that they are actually relatively fast and not necessarily great on defense last year. I think that they're going to try to turn over a new leaf, and now they've got a very good score in the fold. Shane Dezzoni He decided that he was going to be going from Vanderbilt to St. Joe's. We've seen quite a few guys from Vanderbilt actually transfer to St. Joe's and this is going to be the latest of them. Dezzoni just didn't wind up getting a lot of playing time. Did wind up seeing 11 minutes per contest, two and a half points per game. Shot 56% from three. Now, wasn't a lot of threes that he wound up taking, but shot 56% from three-point range as a 6.5 combo player. Got to think that he's going to be seeing a lot more run at St. Joe's. So he decided that he was going to transfer Jalen Thomas. He wound up entering into the transfer portal from Georgia State. Georgia State has had a little bit of a regime change with Jonas Hayes, who was the interim coach for Xavier, winding up taking over. And, Jalen Thomas was relatively solid, 8.6 rebounds per game. Someone who is six foot ten, not a guy that is necessarily going to be. Too much of one that is going to be spacing the floor. Did take a couple threes. Shot only about twenty nine percent from three point range, but also one point seven blocks per contest. So got to figure that he is going to be wanted out there in the transfer portal. Luke Turner, a guy that wound up averaging three points per game when he was at Wofford this last year. He decided that he was going to be entering in the transfer portal. Six foot seven freshman, probably not going to be seeing a lot of minutes elsewhere. So probably not going to be a guy of too much impact. you wound up having Jordan Wilmore, a seven foot three gentleman from Missouri, decide that he was going to be transferring to Northwestern State now. Well, at Missouri, Will Moore did not wind up seeing a whole lot of minutes, right around eight minutes per contest, only about two points per game. But at a school like Northwestern State out there in the Southland, you've got to figure that he is going to be someone that is going to be absolutely able to tear it up. There's going to be nobody in that conference that's going to be a matchup with the size. And Northwestern State has added a pair of guards from Missouri State already as well. So... I like what Northwestern State is building under the radar. They've done a terrific job out here in the transfer portal. And Rudy Williams, he has decided that he is gonna be entering into the transfer portal. Someone who began his career at Kansas State this last year at Coastal Carolina, he was rock solid. 14 and a half points per contest, 3.2 is shot 44.7% from three-point range on three and a half threes per game. Got to figure that there is going to be a long line for his services, so he has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. This one is interesting, as TJ Madlock, who was at South Carolina State this last season, he has decided that he is going to be entering the transfer portal, and he was playing under his father, Tony Madlock, and if you take a look at Mr. Madlock, he wanted up being able to do a solid job this season, actually goes by the name Antonio Madlock, if you want to take a look on a lot of other websites, but... He was able to put up 12.5 points, 5.5 boards per game, 3.2 assists per game, and going to be intriguing to see what winds up happening with the South Carolina State program moving forward because they actually went 7-7 and out there in the Miac. For them, that's really really good. It had been a while since this program had really been competitive, so him being in the transfer portal, got to be taking a look to see what winds up happening long term there. Parker Long, he wound up having two points per contest this last year at Southeast Missouri State. He has transferred away. Unlikely that he's going to be making much of an impact at the D1 level, so that is one that you don't need to take too much note of. Brevin Galloway, this is a little bit bigger though. He was playing for four seasons at College of Charleston while he was at College of Charleston. Someone who wound up averaging nine points per game and didn't see too much of a fall off when he went to Boston College this last season. At BC, eight and a half points per game. Now, he was banged up this season and the three-point shooting did wind up dipping as at College of Charleston, 36%, three-point shooter this last year, 25 and half percent from three-point range, but someone that's able to get you buckets, someone who does a nice job of being able to provide a little bit of passing as well he has decided that he's going to be entering in the transfer for Portal Boston College, obviously had a rough go of it out there in the ACC, but kind of think that if he winds up going back to the mid-major level, should be able to tear it up once again there it's going to be interesting to see if Elijah Harkless is going to be able to tear it up wherever he winds up going as well. He has decided that he's going to be entering into the transfer portal and wound up doing a solid job this last season while he was at Oklahoma. 10 points, 4 boards, 1.7 assists per game. Someone who had six foot three really did a solid job of being able to space out the floor and he did wind up having a little bit of an inconsistent season but you take a look at what he was able to do towards the back half of the season for an Oklahoma team that legitimately was one of the better defensive teams in all of college basketball and it was relatively solid. We're going to take it from the 1st of January on, as he did wind up missing a couple games due to injury, but 10.5 points per contest from three-point range shot at 36.5% from distance, a steal and a half per game, so very much was a plus player on both the offensive and defensive side of things, so he decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal along with Isaac Spears. He was playing this last season at Montana State, certainly did not wind up seeing a whole lot of run with that program that was able to make the NCAA tournament right around 1.3 points per contest, so not necessarily too much impact there. He did wind up seeing Quite a few guys from Cleveland State decided that they were going to be entering into the transfer portal. As we know, they wound up losing their coach... Dennis Gates. Mabor Majak is really the biggest one in my opinion. A guy who was a former top 250 recruit and is very much a tall gentleman at 7'2". He last season wound up averaging only about one rebound per game. So a very sparing minute. So he decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal Demetrius Terry. He decided that he is going to as well. He did not wind up seeing any playing time whatsoever. He decided to retire And then Chris Green. Green is someone that he wound up being able to give the team right in the neighborhood about 3 points per contest. He decided that he is going to be entering the transfer portal, so not necessarily a lot of impact there. This is of impact, though. Speaking of Mr. Gates, he brings in Trey Million, who was playing from last season at Cleveland State. 10.5 points, 4.5 boards, 3 assists per game, and very much a solid 3 you're at 40%. He is going to be entering into Missouri, and I think that that is very good for this Tigers program. I do think that he's going to come in and is going to be able to instantly help out this team, as we've seen in past years with Missouri, a bunch of which they just have a little bit of a tough time scoring. I do think that Gomillion at a little bit of a higher level is going to be able to be a good sort of combo player, 6 foot 4. So, he's got relatively solid size for the SEC. I do think that this is going to work out for both parties and I do think that Missouri might need a year or two to be able to Get their bearings under them, under Dennis Gates, but I think that he's going to do good things over there at Missouri. Joe Tucson, I think that he's going to do good things at West Virginia. We were talking about this with Evan Miyakawa. He is decided side that he's going to be transferring away in for Tucson. Very much a glue guy for a Iowa team that was one of the most efficient offenses in all of college basketball. Only wound up putting up 4.5 points per game, but 3.2 assists, a 1.4 turnovers per game, good on-ball defender, and really was a guy that dished out the ball for an Iowa team that was number one in all of college basketball in terms of assists to turnover ratio, so that is going to be of impact. We were talking about Missouri a little bit earlier, and Javon Pickett, he has decided that he is going to be transferring away from Missouri, and he is going to be ending to St. Louis. The Billikens are getting a good one here. 11 points, 3 boards per game. Now three-point shooting, not necessarily his Forte. He wound up shooting 25% from three-point range, just last season for and career, 29.5% from distance, but someone who should be able to give this team some solid defense at 6'5", some good spacing out there on the perimeter, and a guy that should be able to be very versatile with regards to his defense. I know that St. Louis had a little bit more struggle on that side of things than they have experienced in the past, and a lot of that was because you did wind up having quite a few injuries with this team, including the fact that you wind up losing your time Top scorer before the season starts in Javante Perkins. So I do think that this is a team that is going to be back in full force and that is a very good transfer for them. This is also very good for Georgia Southern as Ty Strickland is going to be coming into the program last year while he was at Temple and actually began his career at Wisconsin. Eight and a half points per contest. Shot only about 30% from three-point range but a guy that's able to generate a steal per game. Georgia Southern in years past has always been a team that has been able to look to generate those turnovers. I think that he's going to be able to do a solid job of being able to do that at Georgia Southern. So that is a great get for them. Darius Burford has decided that he's going to be entering in the transfer portal as well. An all Colonial Athletic Association performer this last season who was able to put up 13 and a half points, four rebounds, right around three assists per game. Shot 37% from three point range. A little bit of an undersized guy, only about six feet tall, but certainly someone that I think is going to be able to come in and is going to be able to do some very good work with this team. Here is a guy that did not wind up seeing a lot of minutes while he was at Oklahoma. That'd be Rick Isazena. He comes from the Republic of the Congo, and his last season, he wound up averaging 0.7 points per contest, but someone who provides a seven one, 245 245-pound body, he has said that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. It's going to be interesting to see if he winds up going down a level, because a lot of these guys that... They're at the power conference level. They've got a bunch of size, but they just wind up getting no playing time whatsoever. If they wind up going down a level, a lot of them wind up being able to really boom. So I think that that is going to be intriguing to take a look at. Colton Lawrence, he was playing at Bentley College this last season. He decided that he's going to be going to the University of Maryland Baltimore County. This last year averaged 15 points per game while shooting 40% from three-point range. He was also able to chip in there just under seven rebounds per game. Six-foot-three, a little bit of a combo player who has really bad. And in college for quite a while as this is someone who has been in college really ever since the 2017-18 season. So this is going to be solid for UMBC. Going to be fascinating to see what he's able to provide for this program going down from the non-D1 level. But I do think that that is going to be a very solid gift for them. Kendall Moore, he has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal this last season. At Colorado State was able to be a solid performer, but I expected him to maybe take a couple more strides forward in his career at Colorado State, 6.5 points per contest after he had more like 10.5 points points per game during the 2020-21 season from three-point range wound up shooting 32% for three always a good free throw shooter for his career right around 80% the charity stripe but also did wind up seeing a dip in assists 1.1 steals per contest so he has said that he is going to be leaving the program Noah Bowman, actually a very underrated sharpshooter has said that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal as well this is how much of a surprise he was playing at Georgia this last season. And while at Georgia, he was able to give the team eight points, three and a half rebounds per game. Began his career at San Jose State, and while he was at San Jose State, shot forty-five and a half percent from three. This year, he shot forty and a half percent from three, far range at Georgia. So he proved at the SEC level he's able to do it. Now that guy that's not going to provide you a whole heck of a lot of anything else. At six foot six, he does provide a very strong body, so that is something that you're able to rely upon. But certainly going to be interesting to see who his suitors are, because he did some good work out there in the SEC, but once again it was for Georgia, so that's a little bit of an issue. Ryan Larson, he was playing for Wofford last season, and he's decided that he is going to be transferring to College of Charleston, was a starter all year for Wofford, and really took off with his scoring, and never averaged more than 6 points per contest, averaged more like 8.8 points per game this season, 3.6 assists, so 1.8 turnovers per game, and shot 38.5% from 3-point range, 81% at the free line. so offense game developed, does a good job of be able to dish out the ball, so this should be able to help out College of Charleston, a team that was in the top five with regards to possessions per game last year. Meanwhile, Wofford, they were in the bottom 25. That is going to be a little bit of an adjustment for Mr. Larson, but I think him being able to kick up the tempo, he's probably going to be looking forward to that. Joe Kitana, in my opinion, one of the more underrated sharpshooters in all of college basketball. He decided that he is going to be transferring away from Loyola Marymount and he's going to be heading to Cal Baptist. Cal Baptist is getting him pretty much in his. 6th year of college. 13 points per game. Shot 43% from 3 and 92.5% at the free line this year. Now, if you're looking for the flaw in his game, this is someone that doesn't do a whole a lot else other than shoot. They might have chipping in their ACO per contest, but one of the better sharpshooters that you're going to find in all of college basketball. Wines of going to Cal Baptist. I think that that offense is really going to be locked and loaded, especially if he can return the Armstrongs from last season. Brandon Murray, he was starting out his career at LSU and this last season at LSU after being a top-winner recruit was able to be a starter and wound up chipping in there. Ten points, three rebounds per game, right around a steal per contest. He has decided that he's going to be going to Georgetown. This is big for a Hoyas program that... They haven't had a lot wind up going their way. And he's going to be able to come in immediately as a 6'5 gentleman, be able to help out that defense. Shot 33 and 33.5% separate three-point range leaves a little bit of something to be desired there. Georgetown, very much a team that they take a lot of threes, but that is a very, very good get for the Hoyas. Theo Song, he wound up playing this last season at Sacramento State. He decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. Not necessarily a lot of note with Mr. Sangis. He wound up being able to give the team 1.3 points per count. Contest in a game, so not a lot of impact there. Chance more. this is a little bit more of impact. You wind up seeing Missouri State wind up losing a pair of guards to Northwestern State over the weekend, and now they've been able to replace them with a top on our recruit. Chance more. while he was at Arkansas, just did not wind up seeing a lot of playing time, but ESPN rated him as their number 88 prospect. Someone who's gonna leave a little bit of something to be desired with regards to three-point shooting, but is able to guard all positions. Someone with good versatility, he's going to instantly be able to help out the team with that regard. And even though he is six foot five, he's able to handle a little bit as well. This is gonna be very solid for them. Blake Sicily, he was playing at Evansville this last season. He has said that he is gonna be heading to Wright State and hopes to be on the right side of things as he was a Missouri Valley All-Conference freshman. Performer with six points per contest this last season. Did shoot 39% for three. Needs to work on his overall game, but at six foot eight, has a lot of upside. Right state probably going to be able to utilize him right away if he's able to work on being able to hit the glass a little bit more. It's going to be very beneficial for both he and Wright State. So I do like this transfer Caleb Bird. He wound up beginning his career at Charlotte. wanted up playing at Jacksonville State this last season. He's decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. Really nothing of note here. A guy that averaged 1.2 points per game last few seasons. So he has decided that he is going to be heading elsewhere. James Berry the third really didn't see a lot of minutes at Merrimack. He's entered in the transfer portal as well and it's always interesting to Taking a look at these guys that they didn't wind up seeing a lot of minutes at their other school, but they wind up going down a level. That is the case for Eric. Vander Heijen. He winds up coming in from Raleigh, North Carolina, and he wound up playing 15 games this last season at Ole Miss, only about a half a point per contest. He's going down to UNC Wilmington, and we've seen schools out there in the CAA have very good success with gentlemen like this. Vander Heijen is someone who, at 6'8", is able to pop three, so it's going to be able to give UNC Wilmington a little bit of versatility. Wasn't necessarily an overly highly touted recruit, but certainly better than what UNC Wilmington typically gets, so he has side that he He is going to be heading to Wilmington. That's going to be solid for them. Carlos Rosario, who while he was at McNeese- Two seasons ago, was able to be very solid last season, was at Florida Gulf Coast, and really was buried a bit on the bench. He has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal while he was at McNeese State during the 2020-21 season. Wound up putting up 12 points, 5.5 boards per game. Not a guy that's going to wind up going out there and shooting threes at six foot eight, 220, but certainly was able to give some good performances while he was out there in the Southland and while he was at Florida Gulf Coast this last year. Three points per game. With the Kevin Samuel transfer from TCU into Florida Gulf Coast last minute, that wound up really affecting his role. So going to be interesting to see where he winds up ending up because I do think that there is quite a bit of upside with him. There's quite a bit of upside when it comes to Mr. Xavier Johnson as well as he has decided that he is going to be going from George Mason and he is going to be going to Southern Illinois. For Mr. Johnson this last season at George Mason, was a little bit of a facilitator. 23 starts. 7.5 points, 4 rebounds, 4.6 assists per game. Did wind up shooting 34% from 3-point range. A per contest. Wind up trying to pass up good shots for him for great shots for other guys. So, I do think that that is going to be a very good fit for a Southern Illinois school. That They play very slow. They play very deliberately. Defense needs to improve a little bit more with Southern Illinois if they're going to play that slowly. But, I think that this is a very good step in the right direction as he's also a very good on-ball defender. Jada Johnson, he was playing this last year at Illinois State. Only about 11 games played for him with a point per contest. He has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal, so not a whole lot of note there. Anderson Kopp, though, this is a little bit more of note. He was playing at UMKC this last season and as a starter, wound up putting up 8.5 points per contest, shot 42% from three-point range after in his first two seasons of college basketball at Lamar, shot more in the neighborhood of about 28%. From three par-inch volumes at Lamar, a little bit more scoring with 10.5 points per contest and four rebounds per game. But certainly did a solid job being able to form that outside shot at UMKC as he's a 6'5 gentleman that's able to do all this. He has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. Kendrick Davis, who had entered into the NBA draft, he is now in the transfer portal as well. And in my opinion, might be the best player out there in the transfer portal right now. 19.5 points. 3.8 rebounds per game, 4.5 assists, wound up shooting 37% from 3-point range. Guy does it all out there in the backcourt. He has decided that he is going to be transferring elsewhere. Also a seal after Africa contest. No doubt this is a blow for the Pony Express, but man, whoever winds up getting him, I think that they are going to be immediately changing the fortunes of what they're going to be able to get this next season. So, that is absolutely massive for them. Max Zakam, who wound up averaging 1.3 points per contest, he decided that he's going to be transferring away from Bryant. We were hearing it from Evan Miyakawa, the fact that Bryant has been able to do a great job of be able to bring in some transfers. Gotta think that with all these guys coming in, there was going to be conversations in which, hey, you're not going to get playing time once again, and that was the most likely scenario. There, Kyler Filewich, who was playing at Southern Illinois this last season, he decided that he is going to be transferring to Wofford. Six foot nine, two hundred and fifty pound gentleman who wound up seeing a big giant dip from year number one to year number two. While well, he was a freshman at Southern Illinois, six and a half points, five and a half boards per game. Not a guy that's going to space out the floor, but did a solid job down low this last year. 4.4 points, 2.8 rebounds per game. So he's going to try to refine that for him and be able to deliver it to a Terrier team that typically is a little bit undersized. But with Wofford, much like Southern Illinois, one of the slower teams in all of college basketball. So style is going to be ch- unchanged. I think that that is going to be a good fit for him. Patrick Mwamba, he was playing at UT Arlington this last season. He has decided that he is going to be heading to Oral Roberts. And he wound up being solid for UT Arlington this last year. 10 points four and a half rebounds per game, was a starter throughout the season, and did wind up taking a couple threes, five per contest and only shot about 30% from three after shooting 38% from three during the 2020-21 season with UT Arlington. Turned into a case in which there just weren't necessarily a lot of offensive performers for the last, this last season, so he had to put up a couple more threes than he would have liked. I think that now that he's going to Oral Roberts where everyone's able to shoot the three, that should be able to free him up for some better looks. So I do think that that is going to be good for him. Kyle Ow- Owens, he was playing at Montana this last year. He's going to be heading to UC Riverside with Owens wound up seeing a big dip in production after he was a starter two seasons ago during the 2020-21 season. 10.5 points, 5.5 board shot, 40% from three. This year coming in off the bench, 4.5 points per contest while shooting 23.9% from three. Saw his minute slash in over half. Got to think that the gentleman who winds coming from the state of California is going to be able to be able to refine that form that he wound up having at Montana. Good news for him. Both of these schools, they play a relatively slow style, so not necessarily much of a change there, and I think that this is going to be terrific for both parties. Brendan Medley-Bacon, the medley of bacon has decided that he is going to be going to his fourth school in four years. Was that Compensate three years ago, two years ago at VCU, during the 2021-22 season? Was that McNeese State? And now he is back in the MEAC with NC Central. Last time he was in the MEAC for Coppin State, he was absolutely tremendous. That year, 7.5 points, 8.5 boards, was able to just tear it up with 2.1 blocks per contest, and this last year at Coppin State was relatively solid, being able to give the team 9.5 points, 6 boards, 1.3 blocks per contest, and Free throw shooting percentage, which never exceeded fifty-eight and a half percent, seventy-one percent. So you do like seeing that seven-foot-one, two hundred and forty-five-pound big body heading over to an NC Central team that they've always prided themselves on defense. Never has necessarily been the world's greatest offensive school, but this is absolutely massive for them. So a good pickup in that aspect. You've got Noah Williams, who he was at Washington State this last year, and he's not going to be traveling too far. He's going to be heading to Washington. Two seasons ago during the 2020-21 season tore it up 14 points, 3.5 boards, 2.7 assists. 1.6 steals per game, shot 38% from three, shot 26% from three this last season. Nine points, right around 2.2 assists per game. Actually wound up seeing an increase with regards to his fouls. The ball was taken out of his hands a little bit more because he just became a little bit more unreliable in general, but this should be good for a Washington program that the defense wasn't necessarily overly terrible for them. They need a little bit more outside shooting, and I do think that he's going to be able to bring that to the table. The big thing for Noah Williams is trying to be able to refine that form that he wound up having during the 2020-21 season because you take a look at the way that he wound up ending that season, and he was just a complete lightning rod. You take a look at it from January 31st on, in that 2021 season, he wound up having a burner run of 16 points, 4.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 1.7 steals per game. Average now, the 3-point shooting percentage was a little bit down during that time span, but he was able to be a very ball-dominant player. That's what they had with Terrell Brown this last season. I could see that role being there from this season as well. Wildens Levy, he was playing at South Carolina this last year. Average 6.5 points, right around 4.7 rebounds per game as a consistent starter, and he is following his coach. Frank Martin over from South Carolina and he's going to be heading to UMass now. Someone that is going to need to work on his overall offensive game and work on falling a little bit less. He wound up getting 1.1 blocks per contest, but three fouls per game. At six foot eleven, though, he should be able to turn the fortunes of a UMass team that they were one of the worst teams defensively in all of college basketball. Now, they were very solid offensively. They were able to pop a bunch of threes. That is not going to be the game of LeVique, but you can tell that Frank Martin already leaving his stamp on this program, so that is one of his guys that went coming in and I think that it's going to be a very good fit for him. Joseph Bamisil. He was playing at Georgia Tech this last season and he has decided that he is going to be transferring over to Oklahoma. Actually he began his career at Virginia Tech. Wound up seeing not a lot of minutes at Virginia Tech so he went over to the Atlantic 10 and tore it up. Was an all 8-10 performer. 16 points 5 boards, 1.2 CLs per game. A little bit of this was because George Washington wound up playing a very, very short rotation, but instead shot 35% from 3-point range, and he's heading to Oklahoma. I think that this is going to be very good for a Sooners program that they wind up losing Elijah Harkless. I don't think that he's going to be quite that, but is a former top 100 recruit during the 2020 recruiting cycle for ESPN. Ranked number 74, someone with some good ability, a guy that's able to light it up from 3, and still is able to play some relatively solid defense. So, that is a very solid pickup for Porter Mosier and company. Printon Johnson, who is playing for Alabama, wound up only seeing seven games this last season. Got to think that he's more of a walk-on type, right around a half point per contest. He decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal as well. Not necessarily too much news there, but we did wind up seeing some NBA draft decisions as well. As Jordan Jelly Walker, he has decided that he is going to be entering into the NBA draft. He is going to be maintaining his eligibility, but why was that UAB this last season? 20 and a half points. Five assists per contest from three-point range it up at 40% from three, 88% the free-throw was one of the best offensive players in all of college basketball. Now, they wind up turning the ball over 3.6 times for contest, but also was able to generate a seal and a half per game as well, so his NBA draft decision is going to be very big for UAB because they wind up losing him. That is going to be very rough for them. Justin Mutz, he's going to be maintaining his eligibility, and he has decided that he is going to be entering into the NBA draft as well. One of the most versatile players in all of college basketball. is this last season while he was at Georgia Tech, was able do a solid job with 10 points, 7.5 boards, 3.5 assists per game. I don't know if his game necessarily translates too much to the NBA. Was able to pop a couple threes, shot 33% from 3 point range, 1.2 steals per game. Just feels like if he does wind up playing anywhere, he winds up playing overseas. So he might wind up returning and I do think that that would probably be best both for the school and for he. So we're going to wait and see what happens there. Khalif Battle, he has decided that he's going to be entering in the NBA draft as well. And I don't know if this is necessarily the right decision for him. in the beginning of his career, Butler didn't wind up playing a lot there. He's played 18 games at Temple the last two seasons, has been dealing with a lot of injuries. In his time at Temple, 17.5 points, 5.5 rebounds per game, shot 38% for three-part range, but very much a small sample size. He hasn't been able to say, right. six foot five gentlemen, that if he winds up being able to have a full season at the college level, I think that he can do some great things, but he has decided that he is going to be entering into the NBA draft, so that's going to be interesting. Mike Miles, who was toying with the idea of going into the NBA, he has decided that he is going to be returning to TCU, and this is going to be big for them now. TCU going to need to work on just getting some shooting in general because Miles, he wound up shooting from three-point range right in the neighborhood, about 29.5% from three, but 15.5 points, 3.8 assists, 3.5 rebounds per game, and was really a cornerstone of one of the better defensive teams they were able to find in all of college basketball. So that, no question, is great news for TCU, and I think that he's going to be able to help TCU be one of the better teams in all of college basketball once again this year. I like this guy's name, Drew Peterson. He was playing at USC this last season. He is going to be entering into the NBA draft as well. Someone that, while he was at USC, was really able to put together some nice performances during the 2020-21 season. 12.5 points, 6.5 boards, 3.5 assists per game. Shot 41% from 3 is a 6'8", a little bit of a combo player. Now, I don't know necessarily what his prospects are for the NBA. I can't think that they're necessarily great. Maybe he's deciding to go overseas or something like that. So it's going to be interesting to see what winds up happening there. He's going to be maintaining his eligibility. Meanwhile, Chavez Goodwin, who was playing at USC this last season as well, he is not going to be maintaining his eligibility. He is going to be signing with an agent, and he is going to be going to the NBA. And for Goodwin, I mean, it wasn't a bad year for him by any stretch of the imagination. Got to think that this guy was just done with college. His first year at College of Charleston was during the 2016-17 season. And a nice year, was able to put up 10 points, 6.5 rebounds per game. Not a guy that's going to be spacing the floor, but he decides that he's going to be entering in the NBA draft. His college career is now over, so got to think that was just a case in which he was sick of being in college. So he has decided that he is going to be entering into the draft, and this is a big one. Colin Castleton. Decide that he is going to be returning to Florida this next season. You wind up seeing Todd Golden wind up taking over that program. It was a question of whether or not we would see Castleton wind up toying with the idea of going into the NBA. And he wound up being a little bit banged up this season. But put up big numbers at Florida. 16 points, 9 rebounds a steal per contest 2.2 blocks got to think that Todd Golden probably had a chat with him saying yeah I can get you even more of a boost with regards to your stock if you wind up coming back to school and he must have liked what he wound up hearing because he is going to be returning to Florida that is going to be absolutely massive and I was talking a little bit earlier about TJ Madlock entering into the transfer portal from South Carolina State well big reason by Tony Madlock who was doing terrific work over there at South Carolina State. He has decided that he is going to be becoming the new coach at Alabama State, Alabama State. Not an easy job to say the least. So he is going from the swag to the Miac and with Alabama State last season. You take a look at what they wound up doing and wound up being a little bit of a rough go of it. They were actually coached by Mo Williams. If that name sounds familiar, yes, that is the Mo Williams from the NBA. They wound up going ten and twenty-one. Ain't done out there in the swag. So he just wasn't necessarily able to get the job done. And I think that Mo Williams did wind up having other ventures that were out there as well. So It is going to be Mr. Madlock who's going to be taking over that program. And then one other coaching change that we wound up seeing as well, Bashir Mason. He was the head coach at Wagner. And Wagner wound up winning the regular season out there in the... NEC, actually, they wound up having a split of the regular season title. They wound up being the two-seed, having to go on the road against Bryant, and, well, they wound up not being able to get the job done there, but he is now going to be the new head coach over there at St. Peter's, and I mean, you take a look at Mason, and he really did put up some very good numbers at Wagner, 21-6 and six this last season. Wagner was one of the best defensive teams that you were going to be able to find out there at a mid-major, and as a player, he actually wound up averaging 9.5 points per game Why was that Drexel? So he knows both sides of it, and I do think that he's going to be able to come in. He's going to do a solid job with a St. Peter's team that is very close. To Wagner, so it's not necessarily too much travel there. He knows the area, and I think that there's going to be a lot of success for both Mr. Mason along with that St. Peter's program. And if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore eighty one. Keep in mind, letters yeah. M, name does not matter, size so per usual. Please send these into the. Time timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated, and then from there, airble Fire or whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast, buy that five-star review, coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season, regular season, along with the off-season, which means I'll be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.